You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So the question is, your house is on fire. And uh, what do you do? What do you do next? It's very interesting that the... The response of the Mishnah is very interesting, and it's completely unexpected. I think perhaps the Mishnah expects you, uh, if there are any lives in danger, to save them straight away. So the Mishnah is not going to tell you to save life, because it assumes you know that. But the first answer of the Mishnah, if your house is burning down, is to say, all all kitveha kodesh, all sacred writings can be saved from a fire. That means saved from a fire on Shabbat. That means we're going to run the risk of carrying with them in public space on Shabbat. We're going to carry with the sifreha kodesh in without an eruv in public on Shabbat. And this applies to all. All holy writings. Whether we read from them or not. I have to find out in a minute what that means, whether we read from them or not. And And even if they are written in any language, so any language other than Hebrew, they must be stored away. The Rambam explains, and I've given you the Rambam on the source sheet a bit lower down, but he explains, we're not here talking about fire at all. We're talking about the sanctity of, of holy writings. And he says, look, if they're, let's say they're written in English, for example, then if they wear out or if they're torn, you can't just chuck them away. You need to put them in a Geniza. You need to store them away somewhere respectfully. So that's a side issue, but... Let's just come back. We're going to save them from the fire, whether we read from them or not. And the Mishnah continues, Why don't we read from them? Because of the neglect of the study hall. Somehow reading from holy texts might mean that we neglect the Beit Midrash. We neglect the, I don't know, the Mishnah Shir on Shabbat afternoon. And then the Mishnah continues, We say the container of a scroll together with a scroll. Maybe here we're thinking about the old, um, the old Iraqi shoes, the old Iraqi scrolls, which are actually held in a wooden box. And you must have, you might have seen them. And if you go to an Iraqi shul nowadays in the land of Israel, well, they'll take out this cylindrical wooden box and they open it up and the Sefer Torah is suspended inside the book. It's a bit like opening a suitcase with a Sefer Torah inside it. You open it up and you read from the Sefer Torah and then you shut it. That's the reading for the, if you like, for anyway, that's the reading for the Parsha of the week. So we're going to save the container with the scroll. So this container is clearly not Kitveh Kodesh, but we're not going to separate it from the scroll. And on the same lines, we're going to save the tefillin bag with the tefillin. Even if it contains coins. So we need to save the tefillin. And whatever we need to do, whatever goes with the tefillin, we're going to save with the tefillin. Where are we going to save them to? 
to an alley that isn't open. So interestingly, even at the cost of losing these Kitve Kodesh, losing the Sefer Torah, we're not going to take it out into a giant open street, but we're going to take it out into an alleyway that is closed off. And when we get into the Mishnah of Eruvin, we're going to define different kinds of alleyways and whether how they can be closed off. <clears throat> and Ben Batera says, Uff, Limufulash. Actually, Ben Batera says, Look, you'd save the, um, you'd save a Sefer Torah even, even if you don't have a closed alley, even into an open alley. And actually, the halacha doesn't go according to Ben Batera. So clearly, at this level, keeping Shabbat seems to be more important than saving the Sefer Torah. And it's a really interesting statement of the values and the priorities of the sages. That they are very, and, and we found this out, right, in the first 12 chapters of the Masachet, of the tractate, that they are very, very anxious about carrying on Shabbat. And the possibility of losing a Sefer Torah seems to be somehow relegated to their anxiety about carrying on Shabbat. And the Rambam then explains that the holy writings that we read from are the prophets. I think he must assume that we read from the Torah as well. He knows we read from the Torah. But he's saying we read from the prophets as well. And those we don't read from, this is really interesting, those we don't read from are the writings. And the text means, I'm just quoting the Rambam here, I'm just reading the Rambam. Um, the, the text means that people should not read them on their own at home. So they shouldn't miss out the, on the Beit Midrash. So they should take chance to go to the Beit Midrash. And he concludes, they only forbade reading from them during the hours of the Beit Midrash. So these Kitve HaKodesh, these holy, holy texts that we don't read from, these are Kutuvim, basically. And we don't read them from them when the Beit Midrash is open. And then he explains that, um, what is said about storing them. Remember, we were going to store holy texts that uh, were not written in Hebrew. And he says, look, what they said about storing them only applies on regular days when they're torn or worn out. But they'd only be saved from fire if they're written in Ketav Ashurit, in Assyrian writing, that square script. That's actually an Aramaic script that came from Persia. It's not the ancient Hebrew script that was used before in the time of Moshe. They're only saved from the fire if they're written in modern square script and in Hebrew. So that would suggest a chumash. Well, anyway, a scroll that's written in English, you know, wouldn't qualify from saving from the, um, from the fire. Now, you might ask, the Gemara asks, well, what's the minimum number of, what's the minimum size that is required on a safe Torah to make it worth saving. And you'll be interested to know that the minimum size is actually 85 characters. And it's the 85 characters in these famous psukim that we read when we take out the Sefer Torah, by Hebin Soha Aron, by Yom Moshe. And if you count that, I think you get to 85 characters. You'll see, here's a, a photo of the Leningrad manuscript. You can see that they're written inside two inverted nuns. There's a nun before Vahim bin Soharon and a nun right at the end. And these 85 characters are said in, in the Talmud in Shabbat to represent a book all 
of its own. Effectively, these 85 characters represent a book, a, a book of the Torah, and they represent, if you like, the minimal critical size for a, um, for a writing to constitute a holy writing. Less than 85 characters, unless it's got the word of God in it, of course, then um, you wouldn't save it on Shabbat. More than 85 characters, so, you know, a few psukim from Bereshi, you'd save from the fire. Well, what would you save after you saved your holy writings? What would you save next? So the Mishnah continues. We're going to save food for three meals. And again, we're going to learn something about the values of the sages of the Mishnah. Food fit for a person for a person. We're going to save food fit for an animal for an animal. So we don't forget the animals. We're saving food on Shabbat from a burning building. We're breaking Shabbat possibly by carrying it in the public space. We don't forget the animals. How so? Kate Sud. Naflada Lekebele Shabbat. So fire breaks out on Erev Shabbat. We save food for three meals. Bashacharit, if it breaks out in the morning, we save food for two meals. Um Bamincha. Fire breaks out at mincha time, we save food for one meal. Rabbi Yossi says at all times we save food for three meals. And of course, the halakha doesn't go according to Rabbi Yossi. And the Gemara asks, look, because we're, we're you know, we're, we're, um, there's a permission and people are doing this stuff, why don't we let him save more? And Rava says, you know, because someone's really agitated about his, his property, about his food. If you, if you permit him, he'll come to extinguish the fire. So lighting a fire or extinguishing a fire is an avmacha, is an archetypal act of creation. And just as the sages are concerned about carrying in the public domain, they are concerned about putting out the fire. And I don't know really what the sages would say today if we were living in a society where, you know, we had a fire service and the instinct, everybody's instinct, and I'm sure, well, you'd have to ask a qualified rabbi, but I'm, I think a qualified rabbi would probably tell you, phone the fire brigade if you have a fire in your house on Shabbat. Although there's probably an issue of pikuach nefesh there as well. And the sages teach, by the way, from this Mishnah, how many meals do we eat on Shabbat? Shalosh. And they learn it out from a verse, of course. So a verse in Torah. This is given in the context of man. So by the way, I think you'll find this in the Parsha of Bushalach, which we'll read in about a month's time. So look out for it in the Parsha Bushalach. It's definitely in the Parsha Bushalach. It's just after crossing the Red Sea. Eat it today. Hayom. Shabbat. Hayom. Lashem. Hayom lotim sa'uhu basadeh. The word Hayom is repeated three times. And the rabbis, the Gemara, learns from here that we eat three meals on Shabbat. What if the food is in a big basket? Well, the Mishnah is going to continue. Matzilin salmaleki karot. If we got a basket, we just save the whole basket. So you can see here the rabbis are lightening up a bit. Matzilin salmaleki karot. Even if it contains a hundred meals. And a round cake 
of pressed figs. Igul shell de Vela. Remember, we've learned about these cakes of pressed figs when we were learning the Mishnah of Marser and Truma. That people used to keep keep their figs in these big round cakes. They dry them up, basically. And I guess you pull a bit off and eat it as you needed it through the winter. So you can say you you can save a whole cake. You don't have to carve out a meal's worth or two or three meals worth. And it's very interesting, the Omer la'acharem, he can say to other people, Bo, vehatsidu lachem, so you can come and you can take three meals worth as well, or a basket of loaves, or a cake of figs. Ve'im hayu pikhin, if they were on the ball, osinimu cheshbon achar Shabbat, after Shabbat, you know, they would essentially make an accounting with him. Either he would pay them for their trouble in saving his food and giving his food back, or maybe they'd pay him for whatever they took out of the building. And Ben Batera, just as Ben Batera said in terms of the um, Sefer Torah, um, that Ben Batera said, um, where may they save it into an alley that isn't open? And Ben Batera says, even in, sorry, even into an alley that is open. I, ben Batera is not worried about Eruv on Shabbat. And in terms of food, Ben Batera adds, um, to where may one save them? And the Mishnah answers, to a courtyard which is joined up with an air roof. And then Batera says, even to a courtyard without being joined up with an air roof. And actually, the halacha does not go according to Ben Batera, but his position, his minority position, is nevertheless preserved in case it might be required at a later stage. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.